All right, if you're one of our pirate ship kids, you are dismissed. There we go. So this is my first Sunday back in three weeks, and um, I just want to say thanks to Adam and uh, Ryan for bringing the word the last two weeks, and uh, man, I'll just be honest, um, sometimes it is good just to hear other voices, and I just want to affirm what God is doing in those two, uh, two men's lives, and I want to affirm everything that they said and uh, I am excited to be back preaching this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Exodus. We'll be in Exodus chapter 33. And uh, this morning we're going to close out our series through the book of Exodus. And if you remember, we started this series about seven weeks ago. And hopefully you've been journeying with us through a prayer and reading God as a whole church. We've been trying to read through the book of Exodus, and each Sunday morning we've been kind of focusing on <clears throat> focusing on Moses and a different aspect of Moses' life. And what I wanted to do this morning, and maybe this is dangerous just given the weather, um, but I wanted to give us an opportunity uh, here on Simple Sunday. I want to give us an opportunity. If you feel um, maybe like God's done something, maybe God has said something to you through the last seven weeks, I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of respond this morning and um, let us know a little bit about maybe what God has said to you over the last uh, six or seven weeks. Anybody just have a, a quick word that they want to um, let everybody know about this morning? We won't uh, drag it out or anything like that, but um, I did want to give you guys the opportunity. Anybody else? All right, we won't belabor it. Exodus 33, that's where we're going to be camping out this morning. And as I had the opportunity to go and read this this, uh, this week, and as I had the opportunity to study it this week, I was reminded of a time in my life when a pastor and friend of mine by the name of Charlie Swain, who was the pastor at Church at Cane Bay, we were working in the same office, and uh, he said, hey man, I think it's about time for us to go out for lunch. Why don't you come out to lunch with me today if you don't have any other plans? And so I got in his car, and naturally I assumed that uh, he was going to pay, um, because you know I was just one of the pastors on the team, and I thought, okay, you know, he asked me out to lunch, he's going to pay. And so he did, and he took me to a steakhouse in downtown Charleston, uh, that's a joke. He actually took me to Taco Bell. Taco Bell right over here on the corner. And I remember we sat down with uh, a tray of tacos right in front of our face. And that's kind of a joke about Charlie. If you know him, he's a very frugal guy and uh, he didn't like to spend a whole lot of money. So he took me there and he probably asked me or had the most 
serious conversation that's probably ever been had at a Taco Bell. We're sitting across the table from each other. We've got tacos on the tray. He's probably enjoying a chalupa. And uh, he looks at me with a mouthful of taco, and he asks me the question, are you ready to be sent out to plant a church out of church at Cane Bay? And I said, uh, man, I took a sip of my Baja Blast, and I said, uh, We'll have to pray about that, man. We'll have to seek God. And he looked at me. He said, listen, you know, here, here's the deal. You know that we want to be a church that sends people out. We want to be a multiplying church. We want to send people out. And we've had our eye on this place, Goose Creek. The population is just so large, and there's so many people in the city of Goose Creek that don't have any uh, contact with the church, don't have any contact with, with Christ at all. And so we want to send you out. We know that <laughs> we feel like God has called you to go and plant. And so um, what do you say? And so what we did was uh, my wife and I obviously had to go home and talk to her. And we knew that God had called us to plant a church. We just didn't know where. We didn't know when. We didn't know how. Our best inkling was that we were going to get on a plane and go up to Philly or go to Chicago, go to places like that and test it out. And boy, it is a good thing that we didn't. And uh, we sat on our couch for several nights at a time there. And we spent time fasting. We spent time praying. And um, once we looked at the statistics here of Goose Creek, we learned that 70% of Goose Creek um, has no relationship at all, um, not just with God, but, but any religion. Um, 70% of this city has uh, no relationship with any church, with any religion. So that means that 30% are religious. And then if you break it down even further from there, um, roughly, uh, I, I would say probably about 8 to 10% uh, have a relationship with Jesus Christ, claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and are in a church this morning. And uh, whenever we heard that stat, we said, we believe that this is what God wants us to do. We believe that uh, this is a clear and compelling calling that God has for our lives. And um, our yes was on the table, and then we started out. And all along the way, every single step of the process, uh, it's been like there's been like these checkpoints where God says, I'm in this. Um, there's been these checkpoints, these moments that God says, I'm in this. This is what I want you to do. This is the place that I've called you to. And I can tell you those stories time and again, um, at, you know, at least 20 to 30 times uh, of stories. And you can see my prayer journal where God has said, this is what I want. And uh, I just want to ask you this morning, how do you and your family make decisions? How is it that you and your family go about making decisions? Um, how do we as a church even make decisions? Whenever it comes time for us and whenever things are asked, things are put in front of us, um, how is it that we go about making those decisions? How is it that we go about seeking God? How is it that, we've, that we go about um, asking and kind of seeking God, wanting to, to know what His will is? Is He leading this way? Is He leading another way? How is it that we go about making those decisions? And, and, and I think if we're all honest with ourselves that we've all been there a time or two in our lives. We've all been there where we've asked ourselves major decisions on down to the smaller decisions where we've asked ourselves, does God, does God want us to add on to our family? Does God want us to move here? Does God want me to take this job? Does God uh, want me to pursue this relationship? Does God want me to pursue this type of career? Does God want me to pursue this college? What does God want? 
And I think nine times out of ten, I think that's one of the questions that I get asked the most as a pastor is, what does God want me to do? Is God in this decision that we're getting ready to make? And, man, I, I hope... My, my hope and my prayer is that all of us, we take those questions, we take those decisions, and we seek God. And we fall on our faces. And we ask God that we pray that we don't move until we hear from Him. And um, I, I have to be honest that over the last several weeks, as we've been in this series, as we've been going through the process, and we've been looking at Moses, we've been, as a church, kind of praying, and we've been finding solitude, we've been finding rest, one of the things that's happened in group and in church, um, as we've come together and, and, and as our church has been able to kind of just lay it all out there and be transparent, a lot of times what we hear is we just kind of make decisions on a whim. And we say, this is what I feel like we need to do. Um, we make decisions on a split decision and we say yes to things and uh, many of us have admitted to being overwhelmed with the daily activity of our lives, daily activities, just overwhelmed. In small group and in church, so many times we've heard this, that, that I'm just overwhelmed. I have, I've overextended myself. I have, I, my life is filled with anxiety. I've just got too much going on. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to seek God's face. I'm just I'm maxed out. I'm wiped out. I don't have anything left to give. That's something that we've heard over the last several months. And here's the thing. I, I believe this is because we've said yes to things that God never intended for us to take on. I believe that we've bitten off more than we can chew. We've not prayerfully sought His guidance and His directions. We've overextended ourselves to the point where we're desperate and we need a break. So this morning, what I wanted to go through and what I wanted to show you was a time um, consistently where Moses consults the Lord, where Moses doesn't move until he's assured that God is in it, where Moses says that this is, we've got to have an answer from the Lord. We've got to know that the God is with us. We've got to know that God is in this. And if we don't, we're not going to take another step. And so far in this series, we, we've seen so much growth in Moses. We've seen so much growth in him that the first time that we met him, we saw that Moses was put in a basket, placed down the river. He was, you know, picked up by the daughter of Pharaoh. He's living in the land of Egypt where it's lavish. They've got all these castles and it's just this beautiful place. He's not really a part of them because he's Hebrew and he's sent back to be nursed by his mother who was a part of the Hebrews there. And it says that he's growing up inside the household of Pharaoh and he eventually, you know, we, we see that there's just so much anger and rage in his heart that he murders a guy. He flees out to this place called Midian. He sits at a well, and it's there that Moses' life is changed forever. He's at this well, and God's dealing with him. God's doing some things in his life, and he's hearing from God probably for the very first time. He goes out, and he, he kind of... Uh, understands that he's meant to live with the Hebrews. He meets a wife named Zipporah, lives in this land called Midian. Um, God gives him a son and he names him Gershom, which is kind of a symbol of his entire life where he says that I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. He eventually meets God in a burning bush. He learns the name of God, which is Yahweh or I am, 
YHWH has sent you. He goes before Pharaoh and he eventually leads the people out of Egypt and out of slavery. And we learn that through this, that Moses is a type of Christ. He is a type of Christ who really came into the world to lead us out of slavery and into freedom. Come on now, that's good right there. That's good. You've been let out of freedom this morning. If you believe in Jesus, you've been let out of freedom. You've been let into freedom and out of slavery. There's nothing for us to fear this morning. And as he's out in the wilderness, he's out there in the wilderness. He learns some wisdom from his father-in-law Jethro, his father-in-law Jethro. He looks at him and he says, listen, there's too much on your plate. There's too many responsibilities that you have. He says that how in the world can you go and spend any time with God and grow in wisdom as the leader if all you're doing is sitting out playing judge over all the nation of Israel, you need to elect elders who will help you in this process. And so that's what Moses does. And here we are. He's kind of in these spiritual rhythms where they're leaning on God. They're trusting in God. They're grabbing the manna and, and not grabbing too much because it'll spoil. And everything is going kind of in, in a good direction. And all of a sudden, we see we see. Boom, we see something that we uh, haven't seen before. The people start to turn, not just on Moses, but they start to turn on God. And this is the very first time that we see this, but it's getting ready to happen, not just all throughout the rest of the Bible, but through the rest of history, where we get to, we get to lie in this too, where Moses goes up on a mountain and he's gone for a long time, an extended period of time, and he's given the Ten Commandments. He comes back down and he hears what feels like wailing and what feels like crying, but as he gets a little bit closer, it sounds like a party, and everybody, all the Israelites, they've turned against God. They've turned against God. They've turned their backs on Him. They've made these golden images, and they've bowed down to these golden images, and they started to worship these things over worshiping God, who just led them out of Egypt and out of slavery. And they hoist these idols up above their heads, and they say, bow down to these. These are the ones that have led us out of slavery. These are the gods that have led you out of Egypt. And that's where we'll pick up this morning in Exodus 33. So if you're there, say, I'm there. Exodus 33, starting in verse 1, he says, The Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. Listen to this. This is different. This is totally different from what God has said in all of the first uh, few chapters of Exodus. He says, I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. He says, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you. He says that I will not go up among you. This is different. The first couple of chapters of Exodus we see as he's led them out of out of Egypt, he's went before them in the day in the, in the presence of a cloud, and at night he's gone in the presence of fire here. He says, it's time for you to leave Mount Sinai, but whenever you leave Mount Sinai, I want to send you into this land that I've promised you, but guess what? I'm not going with you. My presence is not with you. Let's keep going. He says, I will not be among you lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. 
So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel, they stripped themselves of their ornaments. We believe that this is, these are the things that they stripped from the Egyptians as they left. They plundered the Egyptians. They were adorned in all this lavish gold and all these beautiful jewels. And this is not a time of celebration. Let's move down to verse, thir- verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, uh, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I might know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you. So God is moving back. He says, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Has that ever been your prayer? Lord, if you ain't in this, then don't let me go. Don't let me take a step. He says, if you're not with us, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. He says that your presence is what makes us distinct. And if you're not with us, then we're just like all the other nations of the world. But if you're with us, we're distinct. We're different. If you direct us, if your presence is there, we're unlike all the other nations of the world. Verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. This is kind of hearkening back to Exodus 3 where God was in this burning bush and Moses is able to experience the glory of God. Maybe for the very first time he hears him. He says, this is my name. I am, I am, Y-H-W-H, I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. And so Moses is asking for this again. He says, please show me your glory so that I might know that you're with me. He says, Moses says, please show me your glory. And he said, he said, I will make all of my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face For man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Flip with me for just a second. For just a second, flip with me through um, John. John chapter 15. We're moving all around this morning. John 15. We're going to hear a very similar-like conversation that's, that's had, but it's with Jesus and his disciples. John 15. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it, bear, it may bear more fruit. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. 
Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Abide in me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and is thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you this morning, um, our hearts, um, I, we just want to abide. We want to abide in you. Moses is doing that, Lord. He's up on a mountain in close fellowship with God. It says that Moses talked with God unlike any of the other prophets did. Lord, speaking to him as a man would speak to another man. Jesus here says the very same thing, Lord, that if we abide in you that we can do much. But apart from you we can do absolutely nothing. Lord, speak to us and draw us near, draw us unto yourself so that we have the desire to attach to you like nothing else that we attach to in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Abide. Abiding in Christ. Over the last seven weeks, we've been talking about this and we've been going through the life of Moses and I think if Moses' life can be categorized by one particular word, it is that word, abiding, where he's attached to God. He's attached to him, where he's in close fellowship, where they're walking together, where they're talking together. He's abiding in God. And if there's any one particular word that we could have pushed, that we could have stressed to you over these last seven weeks, it would have been that exact word, abide. We've said words like rest. We've said words like quiet your soul. We've said things like solitude. We've said things like obey. But really the heart of it, the, the main thing that we want you to do, the main thing that I want to do for my life and for my family and for yours is to simply abide in Christ. Is to attach to Him. To abide and so that's what Moses is doing here. He's done that. He's been up on a mountain with God. He's been talking to God. He's been stressing the, uh, God has been stressing to him to the importance of the Ten Commandments here. And stressing to him the law. Follow this. Do this. Do exactly what I say. And if you do this, listen, here's my covenant. My covenant is that I will be with you and that I will give you this land. I'm going to give you the land that I've promised to your fathers and your forefathers if you just listen to me and do what I say, Moses comes down the mountain and the people that he's been leading, they've taken all their ornaments, they've taken all their jewelry, they've put it into a fire and they've made this calf that they go and worship out in the woods. 
And they said, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Moses comes down, he hears this, he's so overwhelmed that he makes them take all the calves, all the, all the, the graven images, he makes them burn it up, he makes it into this fine powder and makes them drink it. Makes them drink it. God, he, he comes to this place in this relationship with God where God says, listen, I need you to depart from here, get off this mountain, it's time for you guys to go, it's time for you to leave Mount Sinai, to go and, and into, this pla- into this place called um, flowing with milk and honey, I need you to go. He says, I'm not going to be with you. I won't be there. And that's exactly where Moses says, exactly what we've been talking about. If you will not come with me, I don't want to go. And he says, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And really what Moses is saying here is, please show me your presence so that I can know that you're with us. Show me your presence so that I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our God, the one that we've been trying to worship, the one that we've just kind of failed to worship, so that I can know that you're with us. Let us know that you're in this. And that's what he says to God. And so you've got Moses, and then you've got the rest of the Israelites. Moses goes before God. Moses is seeking. You've got the others who just grow tired. And so what we have here is we have a picture of a man who is a leader who's abiding, who's doing his best to follow God, and the rest of the folks that are there said, we don't want any part of this. We would much rather worship these graven images. We would much rather have this. We would much rather follow these gods where we can bow down and worship. We've grown impatient. We would rather do our own thing. Then... The words of Jesus, just a, just a few chapters over in John, he says those very words. He says that I am I'm the vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. So you've got Moses following God, Moses abiding. You've got the others there who are not abiding who have a, a very basic relationship with God. They've seen Him do some incredible things. They have really no interest in doing that. And then you've got the words of Christ who come just a little bit later. He says, you've got me and you, you've got the vine. Here it is. You've got branches that aren't bearing fruit, branches that aren't, aren't abiding at all. Those branches are thrown into the fire. Those branches are no good. They're not of use for me at all. And then you've got the branches that are abiding in me, and those branches that abide bear fruit, and they bear plenty of it. So this morning, I think we see kind of a a picture, a a kind of a, a juxtaposing, if you will, of what it looks like to abide in Christ and what it looks like to not abide in Christ. Where the rest of the Israelites are just like the branches that are thrown into the fire, you've got the pretenders. Those branches that are thrown into the fire are those branches that pretend like they're attached. They pretend like they're abiding. They pretend like they're a part of it. They pretend like they're following the commandments. They pretend like they're with God. They pretend like they're listening to Him. Pretend like they're obedient. They pretend like they trust God. They pretend like they're joyful. And what Jesus says about those branches is that they're thrown away. They're no good to me. There's no use in those things. What what do I have to do with these branches? They're thrown into the fire. He says, but those branches that do abide, that do abide, they're the ones that produce fruit. The ones that listen to me, the ones that obey me, 
the ones that trust me, the ones that have joy, those are the ones that bear much fruit. That's what he says. And I want you to understand this morning that when we don't abide in Christ, when we don't listen, when we're not attached, when we're detached, when we are, are not following him at all, we lose what it means to be Christian. We lose what it means to be Christian, just as Moses said in that passage there, as he said that this is what makes us distinct, this is what makes us different, is that we have a relationship with a living God. We have a relationship with a God who is active. He says, show us that you are with us. He says, if we don't have you with us, if we're just like all the other nations, there's nothing special about us. We'll fall by the wayside. We'll lose in a battle. We, we won't know where to go. And so it is with us. And when we're not taking time to pray, when we're not taking time to be obedient, when we're not taking time to abide, we're just like lost people. We're just like them. Because we have no attachment to God. We make decisions as if we're apart from Christ. We live our lives as if we're apart from Christ. We follow and, and go to work and we're overwhelmed with anxiety, overwhelmed with our schedules, and overwhelmed with depression, just like the rest of the world. Moses says to the Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, he says, please show me your ways that I may know you in order that, that I might find favor in your sight. And that's exactly what he's doing, so he's abiding and abide. A simple definition of that means to adhere to or to comply with, to obey, meaning that you're, you're attached, that if he says go, then you go. If he says that I'm ready for you to follow me in these types of ways, to follow all of these laws where you're not worshiping any of these other gods, that you're doing it, abiding. Family, are we abiding? Have we abided in Christ? Has your family abided in Christ? Has this family, a family as Creekside, has we abided together in Christ? Are we attached to Him? Do we know the direction that He's leading? Do we know what He's doing in our city? I think a simple way to ask that question or to, for us to get to the answer of that, to get to the heart of the matter is by asking, when is the last time that you heard from God? When's the last time that you heard from God? What's the last thing that you heard Him say? What's the last thing that you heard God say in your quiet time, in your prayer time, whenever you were seeking His face, whenever it was just you and Him? And what's the last thing that you heard God say? I was uh, sitting down at a coffee shop just a few weeks ago with a, a guy and... Um, he doesn't go to our church, so you can stop guessing as to who it is. And we were just sitting there and enjoying coffee. And, man, he's trying to get that at the heart of, of everything. And he, he wants to know why he doesn't feel like he has a close relationship with God. And he's like, man, I serve at the church. I've been doing all of this. I even shared the gospel with my boss at work the other day. And I, I'm just, I really don't feel like I'm close to God at all. I don't feel like I have a close relationship with God at all. What's going on? What's happening? And my first question to him, and the only question that I asked him at all was, man, how's, how's your quiet time? How's your prayer time? 
When's the last time that you heard God speak to you? When's the last time that you sat down at your table or at night or in the morning with your journal and your Bible and a pen and you, you just listened to God and maybe you prayed to Him and maybe you read some scripture, but it was just close fellowship. He said, man, I, I've never really done that. And I said, but why? He said, well, you know, I, I believe in serving and I believe in sharing the gospel, but I just really don't have time. You see, here's the thing, guys, is I believe that all of us are looking for these silver bullet issues. We're looking for these silver bullet things. How is it that I can, how is it that I can have a close relationship with a God? How is it that I can feel just pressed? How is it that I can feel like I'm overflowing? How is it that I can feel like I know what God wants me to do? The closest thing that I've ever found to a silver bullet in a, re, in a relationship with God as a Christian is simply by abiding and spending time with Him. That's the closest thing to a silver bullet that we've ever had. Look at what he says, verse 34, uh, chapter 34 in, in Exodus, chapter 34, looking at verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. This is Moses. He's answering his prayer. And proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping his steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and of the children and of the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth. And he worshiped. You see, whenever we abide, abiding brings God's presence. He says that I will hide you in the cleft of the rock, and the presence of God descends on this place. And as he's hiding in the cleft of this place, and the presence of the Lord descends, he's able to experience the glory of God so much so that Moses hits his knees, he bows his face to the earth, and he worships. Abiding brings God's presence. Go back to John 15. John 15, looking at verse 7. John 15, 7, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You see, abiding not only brings the presence of God, but abiding brings answered prayer. Because when we're listening to him and we know what it is that he wants, and as his spirit is speaking through us, we get to do what we call praying through the spirit. And whenever we pray through the spirit, abiding in God, knowing what it is that he wants, he says to ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Do you want the presence of God in your life? Abide. Do you want to know the will of God? Abide. It's as simple as that. If you want to know the presence of God, you want to know the glory of God, you want to experience God's presence, you want to experience answered prayer, it's through this and this alone, abiding and knowing what is the heart of God. This morning, I, I want us, um, I want us to take some time this morning to do that very thing, to to just kind of clear um, anything that might be on our minds, clear anything that might be on our hearts, to take some time and simply do that very thing 
to kind of cling to the Lord, to maybe uh, remove any sin, to maybe remove any distractions, to remove, remove any anxiety that we might have, remove all of those things, to just sit and spend some time in prayer. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm just going to give you just a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes maybe. We could take as long as this needs to take. And I want us to close this series in Exodus by just spending some time in prayer alone with God. And so I invite you to move wherever you need to move, to take as long as you need to take, to feel the freedom of this. Um, there's gonna, not even going to be the band playing for just a couple of minutes. But I just wanted you to be able to do this this morning. To have time to pray, to have time to abide, to have time to listen. And whenever this is over, I'll, I'll come back and I'll give us a little bit more instruction this morning. Would you guys do that for just a few minutes? As you're there praying, we're getting ready to take the Lord's Supper uh, this morning and just continue to pray with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I wanted to read to you this morning from 1 Corinthians. This is from chapter 11 and he's giving instructions to the church at Corinth about taking of the Lord's Supper and he says... Whoever therefore drinks or eats of the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. As you're there this morning and praying, what we would ask you to do is to confess any sin that you might have that might be hindering you to partake of the Lord's Supper. And as we come to remember, remember the body that was broken and the blood that poured out for us, we don't want to take in an unworthy manner. And whenever we do this, whenever we take and eat of the bread and drink of the cup, with sin in our hearts and being in a posture that's been disobedient to the Lord for some time, what we do is we, we drink judgment on ourselves. <laughs> so just where you are, would you confess any sin that you might have? 
And when you are ready, when you feel like you're ready to respond, we would just ask for you to kind of go through the, the end of the aisles there and come through and grab of the bread, grab of the juice, and take it back to your seat, and we'll all take of it together as a family. says in that same very passage, verse 23, says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we're thankful this morning for your body that was broken on our behalf. The very words that you just said about abiding, you said around the table with those same very disciples. And it was after you had washed their feet and right before you were getting ready to be handed over to your captors, to be put on a cross, you said those very words, abide in me. Which means be close to me. Draw near to me. We're thankful for the body that was broken on our behalf. In the same way, Also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we're thankful 
for the blood that flowed down. And the blood and the water hit the ground, that meant freedom. For me and my brothers and sisters here, that the penalty had been paid. But we know that it doesn't end here. Just as you came back those moments, resurrected from the dead, Lord, you said, why do you look for me here? And we know that you're coming back again one day. And so this is not a time of mourning. This is a time of celebration. We celebrate the fact that we've been set free. We celebrate the fact that you're coming back. And one day we will be with you forever, 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 forever. But until then, we want to be attached to you as close as we can be. We want to know your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we're going to stand and sing and kind of a song of celebration. We get to celebrate together as a family. The disciples, after they ate of the bread and drank of the juice, they sang a hymn together and they went out. And that was the night that Jesus was betrayed. And this morning we want to close in a time of celebration. And we invite you to sing this with us all together as a family this morning.